Well, not since a brewery tap room opened two blocks from my house have I been more excited for a new spot to open than this one. We'll talk about it next. This episode of the Phoenix Magazine podcast is sponsored by Garrison Brothers High Fashion Takeover. You still have time in September to celebrate America's favorite cocktail, the Old Fashioned, through Garrison Brothers High Fashion Takeover. Go to highfashion.com to get the list of local bars and restaurants here in the Valley serving up innovative takes on the Old Fashioned using high-quality Garrison Brothers bourbon in the recipe. Share your best photos on social media with the hashtag High Fashion, that's H-Y-E, High Fashion, and make sure to tag Garrison Brothers and Boot Campaign for a chance to win some cool prizes. And for every post, Garrison Brothers donating $2 to Boot Campaign to support their life-changing programs for veterans and military families. For more information, visit highfashion.com. That's H-Y-E, highfashion.com. Today on the podcast, we get a sneak peek at Catalyst Crafted Ales in Tempe. It's the same people who were up there in Prescott at Ad Astra Brewing. You may remember them. They closed Ad Astra in the, uh, this past summer and moved down here to the Valley to focus on Catalyst Crafted Ales. And based on the conversation that we had with co-owner and head brewer Will Walterson, it's going to be one of the more highly anticipated places to open here in the Valley in quite some time. Not only are they bringing their award-winning barrel program, uh, but they're also changing the game when it comes to their approach on seltzers, IPAs, sours, you know, the like, uh, lagers. Uh, They're going to have a taco shop on-site from Salt Sea and Land Tacos, a place that started as a food truck and is now a brick-and-mortar location inside Catalyst Crafted Ales. Enrique, the head chef, joins us in the middle of this upcoming interview to tell us about his specialty, octopus tacos. Johan co-hosts with me on this one, and uh, on we're on location there in Tempe, and I hope that's enough setup, so enjoy the interview. Well, we're on site here at uh, a brand new brewery about to open, Catalyst Crafted Ales. Johan, alongside of me, what do you think I'm of this back. place, man? Uh, this place is really cool. I was just telling Will, it feels very high-end in here. The design is really, really nice. It's It feels like a, a place I'd want to hang out. Yeah, let's start with uh, Will Walterson, co-owner and uh, the the beer maker. He wanted me to introduce him as that. Will, thanks for having us in. Uh, First thing, like, tell us what's going on with this place. Uh, How's construction going, and uh, when are you guys going to open? It's uh, going going like construction does, very uh, at its own pace. So it's uh, a lot like fermenting a a wild beer. It's like you kind of were just along for the ride. So we're hoping in the next two weeks we're going at least open for for selling beer that we've produced in Prescott and uh, food. But uh, until we produce beer, we're still installing our glycol and a few other little things on the brew house, but we're like right there. And it looks really good, but it's just not quite operational yet. It does look shiny. looks shiny and new. So you mentioned Prescott. Obviously, you um, ran at Astra up there, right? It closed earlier this summer, Mm -hmm. and now you're here in Tempe. What's that whole story about? Because um, it's been a, I've read where it's like you, you kind of use that. It, that was the catalyst, I guess you would say, yeah. for this brewery, and that, is that why the name is Catalyst Crafted? Yeah, and it's uh, we wanted to to change the brand a little bit. We wanted a more highbrow, like serious brand, and um, and to have uh, our beers reflect that too, and our tasting room reflect that. So we didn't want to be like in a airplane hangar and it looks like a house party we want it to be like an intimate feel a nice place uh where you can bring your wife you can bring your family you can have food here even if you don't necessarily drink a lot of beers it's just a good hangout place and a a social hub for people to meet and like oh let's start at catalyst then let's go hit four peaks then 100 mile or you know anyway you switch it because this is such a good area for beer in this state this is like the mecca is i think tempe we're four peaks shop we have a lot of really, really big power players here. So uh, to take our talents to Tempe is what we wanted to do. We want to go against – we want to be in the big pond. So we're ready for it, and we're really, really excited to, uh, to start making some beers. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I mean, I, as a uh, ASU, ASU alum, you know, Tempe is where I learned to drink beer. So it's exciting to have a, another new player. I mean, we had 100 Mile open just earlier this year. Um, the shop's been there for a while. Uh, you know, Pedal House on Mill – uh, I think just got a renovation, so they're 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 getting a facelift and expanding more. So it's it's fun to have a, a new a new. Yeah, pace. I think for a long time Tempe's always been because of Four Peaks being such a giant that people have kind of considered 
Tempe is is big, but like when I was in college, that was it, Four Peaks. Right. But ever in the last five to ten years now, all those places are open, and like you you just listed them all, and and now Catalyst, you join you join the group here. Um, was Tempe kind of always your destination spot that you had in mind? Um, not necessarily. I think it was just trying to make something that would work for us. We we would have been happy in, in central Phoenix or in um, Scottsdale, but this was the area that we were able to check the most boxes for us. So we knew that we wanted to be centrally located. We didn't want to be off the beaten path. We want to be in the mix, in in the heart of it. And we feel like Broadway and McClintock, you can go look out there and count cars all day. And there's people driving by. There's a lot of foot traffic. So we wanted to be somewhere where it was accessible and a common road that people go on because, you know, people are going to walk by and like, Cow's Crafted Ales, I never heard of that. What's that? Is that a brewery? And they're like, then they can come check it out. So we're trying to use everything to our advantage. We know that we're really happy with the way that we make beer. Now it's just showing people and giving the people that exposure so then they can come and drink our beer and drink everyone's beer, you know? So uh, that's, that's our biggest thing is trying to improve the community in terms of not only brewer to brewer relationships in Arizona and do collaborative stuff and, and learn from each other and, and, and push that. And also for people, like you could have people that are coming in here that are master Cicerones, or I just kind of wanted a seltzer to try and see what it was all about, you know? So, yeah. And that's what you offered us here. This, Tell us about this bright red to seltzer, right? Yep. So it's uh, uh, it's called Purple Rain Sangria. And Purple Rain is our base seltzer for this. So it's a seltzer that's co-fermented with Zinfandel and Syrah from Napa. And uh, it's lightly aged on oak spirals. So you can get more of the complexity of wood. But we didn't want like an oak bomb. And then, uh, so this is a variant of that. And so we conditioned this on green apples Caracara oranges and Meyer lemons. And so it kind of gives you the the look of a sangria and the feel of a sangria, but we can't make wine, but we can definitely make this. So it's kind of somewhere where we can flex our muscles a little bit because some of the breweries I've worked at in the past, we've done a lot of great projects and a lot of things like that. So uh, to take that knowledge and, and to put a new feather in our cap and kind of reinvent what people think of as a seltzer, because seltzer is the fastest growing beverage in the alcohol industry and uh i think it's super underserved in terms of brewers either not wanting to make it not knowing how to make it or not even wanting to mess with it so uh if we can get more people to drink it like we went to orange county and every brewery had at least one seltzer and they had like four lagers and i was like i feel like we're heading in that direction yeah Yeah, right so i mean as a beer drinker seltzers are not uh something i've ever been interested in it's not something i've ever really yeah, I've taken sips of them and I'm always kind of underwhelmed. But this this particularly is like super flavorful. It's very it's very good. I would I would definitely drink this. And, uh, we we wanted to make it something complex where people, you know, I think seltzers get kind of a bad rap because if we judge lagers off of Miller Lite, you know, not 100%. everyone would like lagers. But there's so many different. There's like Schwartz beer, there's mm. Martzen, there's Fest beer. So it's kind of like that with seltzers. I think they're just a little misunderstood. I think they're kind of brushed over, and they're they're a pleasure to make. They're uh they're fast to make. They're pretty easy to make, and they uh people seem to like them. So it's like you know it doesn't make sense to try and take a reinvent the wheel. Just do oh. it. You know, do something that we're good at and and make it more palatable towards people put colors in here so when someone sees that they're going to be like what is that oh it's our seltzer like that's not a seltzer like, yeah it is though so it's just uh it's trying to educate people at the same time as as kind of make up history as we go along yeah because there's no real book on how to make any of this stuff it's kind of we're just taking what we know about beer and common denominators with that and and some winemaking and and grape dealing with from us so we wanted to come up with something that was unique but not stagnant and not really riding coattails, wearing them, if that makes sense. So from a from a liquor board perspective, is seltzer kind of Seltzer's under the board under, of a beer? Yes, like, it's under. Okay. So this is technically a beer, but gotcha. the, the main thing is is we we need to use more sugar than we do grapes. Got it. And so that's the thing where some of these, like that's why the ABV is so high. So we did little bit of grapes but we had to do a lot of sugar to balance that and be within compliance so it's a balancing act like a lot of things like i've done a lot of beer wine hybrids where it's 49 percent grape 51 percent beer right on the edge and that was yeah. at the brewery that was like our big thing so um 
we really learned a lot there in terms of production and, and my uh, assistant brewer and very good friend, Alex, who works here as well, came from Superstition Meadery. Yeah. So we have a lot of experience between us with barrel aging and making different styles of creative beers with different fruits and different flavors. So we never want to, I guess, be stuck being a one trick pony. We all, we have a lot of tricks up our sleeve. Yeah. I was going to say your, your main trick is I think you're known at, at, at Astra at least for the big stouts, Imperial stouts or barrel aged. Yeah. You guys won medals for it last year at the Arizona craft beer awards, uh, gold and a bronze for two different styles, uh, or two different entries into that. And, um, I, you want to be known for that or do you want to be known for having just this wide or variety and diversity think, of different drinks here? I think it's like a Swiss army knife. You know, you always have a different tool for a different, you know, job. So like, uh, we just know that we like making beer that's clean at a very high level and it has discernible flavors. Like if we advertise a flavor, we don't leave anything to the imagination. It hits you right in the face. And that's just something that we really like. And on subtle beers, we do have subtle beers like lagers and stuff. We're going to be more nuanced, but when it comes to this or the big barrel aged beers, we walk with our chest puffed because we want them to be larger than life and we want them to taste like what we put into them. So, no. uh, if something ever doesn't come right, nobody tries it. And I promise you that. And, uh, I don't like to dump beers, but I know that it's something that you have to do. I think at, at Astra, we dumped two beers still for the two years we were up there, but it was just didn't work out. It wasn't, we had an idea and we couldn't put the brush to the canvas to make it how we wanted it. So we didn't even want to release it. We didn't want to show anybody. So, so when in the, uh, so I remember at Astra, the first time I saw at Astra was at the, uh, Copper State, mm-hmm. uh, last year. Um, is that what it was called? Copper State Beer Festival? Yeah. 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 <clears throat> and I remember being really, really impressed. Like, oh, this is a new brewery. This is a really good beer. I think I had some of the barrel aid stuff that you guys were pouring out that. Um, so how much it, are you bringing a lot of the same recipes into Catalyst, or are you kind of reimagining, rebranding? Like so we're, we're, we're rebranding some stuff, facelifts on some stuff, but we're bringing back a lot of beers that worked really good for us. Positive Visualization was one of our beers that we really liked. It's American Light Lager. That's going to be our first beer that we make down here. And it's going to keep the same name because it's just too good of a name. Yeah. But um, then we have we had this beer up there called Tranquilo. It was our like dark Mexican lager. We're bringing that back. Nice. We feel like that's another style. We're trying to do styles that we like to personally drink, and that are hard to find in the market. Like if you go and try and buy, if you go to, let's say a big bottle shop, like a total wine and you're like, Hey, where's your dark Mexican lagers? And you're like, you want a dark lager or a Mexican lager? No, no, no. Like Modelo Negra, like uh, Dos Equis, uh, Amber, you know, that's what we really want to go for because yeah. nobody's doing it, but it seems like everybody likes to drink it yeah. because we had a Bohemia six pack in here and it was gone, yeah. you know, and, and cases of stuff like that. So we don't want, we love doing loggers and we want to kind of pave our own path on certain ones. You know, we don't want to necessarily do what everyone else is doing. And yeah. uh, I think that's the, the way to do it is to do something that you like. And then you have like ownership in it when you put it out. Cause you're like, I actually like drinking the style. So when I put it out, I want it to be competitive with Modelo and yeah. with Bohemia and those guys. You guys are I mean, um, obviously still waiting for final approval to open, but are you able to brew stuff yet? We have the green light to brew. We just don't like the brewing equipment's not necessarily operational. And we've kind of shifted our focus on getting the tasting room open and doing brew stuff when we can. But the main focus right now is getting the tasting room. Yeah. And we have, everything's laid out to put the glycol in but we haven't actually got it installed so we have the pieces it's just one of those things that takes time and um are you still brewing in prescott nope we're completely out of prescott we're hands are washed of prescott so So you have stuff over there yeah in the 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 case where where is that being made uh that was already made in prescott before we left so we had to make style strategically so we couldn't make hazy ipas or west coast ipas and then bring them down here because they wouldn't be fresh but we can make stuff like this. We can make barley wines. We can make stouts. We can make seltzers. We can make sours. Stuff that has a little bit more of a long shelf life. So that's what we'll kind of come out with. And that's why at the beginning we'll be focused on doing those two lagers, uh, a variety of seltzers. We're looking at doing like a uh, almost like a cocktail type line of seltzers. So it's going to be like the first one's going to be a Moscow Mule. So everyone likes Moscow Mules, right? So how could we take something that everyone already likes and then bring it at our brewery? We don't have a liquor license, but we can make a seltzer Moscow mule. We can make a painkiller. We can make 
anything you could think of, you know? So, uh, Will's like an encyclopedia of I drinks. I love this. So how many taps are you going to have? How many is that? 24. 24. And obviously right off the bat, you're not going to be able to have 24. We're so you're going to bring some, some guest guests. Beers. Okay, so cool. We want to bring in guest beers of beers that we want to emulate, of people that we respect in the beer scene and that we feel like not only do the Arizona beer scene right, but do us right by having them on. So we, we're very selective on some of our stuff. Like Pedal House, we love those guys. We brought them in. Anyone who we can bring in, we'll bring them in. But we have a limited amount of taps. So it's it just depends on what what we really like in the market and what we want to drink more so than than anything. So we have a couple from uh, Alesmith. I'm yeah. a huge Alesmith fan. Being from Southern California, it was always the place where I went for Barrel Age Speedway releases, and you're just like, man, this is super cool. And we have a little bit of shades of Ale Smith in here, I feel like. Uh, the original location, the new location is like, man, I couldn't even imagine. It's just so yeah. big, you know, so much stuff going on. But, uh, and, uh, you know, beers like that that we really like. Uh, we got some Tombstone, you know, those guys are always doing good things. So uh, we just want to bring in quality products so people can know that we're serious. You know, we don't yeah. want to have like, you know, I'll pick on Miller Lite again. We don't. Want, well, I'll drink Miller Lite, but I don't think you're ready for people to come that. in and ask for that, right? Though. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> How do you deal with that? Prescott, you should live in Prescott. Everyone wants Jack Daniels and Coors Banquet. <laughs> so, um, and hey, food. So you were talking earlier about different styles of lagers, and Schwartz beer is one of the styles you mentioned. I used to work at a tap room uh, that had 30, 30 some odd beers on tap, and my favorite thing was somebody comes in, asks for like a. I don't know. I'm looking for something kind of like a Bud Light. And they'd be like, I'm going to bring you a sample of something. I just want you to try it. I told the story on this podcast before. Uh, but I, I brought them a, a little sample of uh, Button Brewing's Schwartz beer. Okay. And they loved it. They were like, ah, this is really good. The, the color totally threw them off. But once they tried it, they were really... So you guys make a Schwartz beer. You'll be Those like one of maybe tricks, what, yeah. two or three breweries in the state that make a Schwartz beer. Yeah. We so noticed, we do you have mind trick kind of beers like that? Yeah. Yeah. We have one. Well, um... I can't even remember what we called it, but it was, have you guys, are you familiar with Noble Ales in Anaheim or no? Mm -hmm. It's like a naughty sauce is theirs. It's a white stout that tastes like coffee. It's almost like coffee Kolsch from Huss would be the closest thing that we have in the state. But it looks like a Pilsner and has a head like a Pilsner. But when you drink it, it's like drinking like cold brew coffee. It's like really, really good. It's like a total like head trip, you know, kind of beer. And I think even this, to a certain extent, where you're like, oh, I don't know what that's going to taste like. I know it tastes a lot like sangria. So it's um, we want to use every way that we can to make the beer unique. You know, if we have a beer that's pink, it's not just for the color. It's because there's everything that goes into it is to make it that way. And I never want to. It's it's kind of like a cheap trick if you have a beer that's like looks really pretty and then it doesn't taste good. It's got to taste it's like as putting good as it looks. Yeah, right. green food coloring in yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, St. Patrick's Day? Is yeah, that, yeah, just is to have a St. Patrick's Day beer. None of that. Or yeah, there you go. <laughs> Spin it you've, been, you've been with uh, different great breweries like Ren House you, and you, you were talking about the brewery and, and shop Southern Californian shop. Um, and it's... It, did that ever get confusing the calling it the brewery in Southern California? Uh, I I always try telling people that, that I'm like B R U Yeah, with yeah. without a W, but so it's just a U. I think the thing is in Southern California is like when we went back and we went to a bunch of places in Anaheim and Orange County, and everybody where I went, they had one guy that was from the brewery, one or two guys. Sure. So it was like kind of That's kinda of like Santan, Santan out yeah. here, yeah. That's exactly what we're kind of equating it to. So it's like you always – and once you're kind of family roo, you're kind of always cool with the brewery people where you're like, oh, what's up, dude? You work here now? Like, yeah, let me get you a beer. You know, it's – so you go to Green Cheek, there's four brewery guys there. You go to Brewery X, there's a brewery guy there. You go to Bottle Logic, there's brewery guys there. You go oh, anywhere you go, Logic. there's brewery guys. Yeah. So, how did uh, those kind of places shape how you brew now? Oh, I wouldn't be making beer if it wasn't for the brewery. So I owe everything to the brewery because I was a consumer before I was a beer maker. But, man – when I first started going to the brewery, it just blew my mind every single time that I went. Their beer was so good, yeah. so different, so creative, so much thought went into their beer. And like it was yeah. it was a high end brand. It was a premium brand. It was like Arrogant Bastard and Stone was like the kind of like the the Walmart. And this was like like Whole Foods. It was yeah. just a different level of market. It was a different level of place. And uh 
it's the only brewery that I really remember going to for a long time where you could get a flight of barrel-aged beer. And I was like, that's crazy. How many barrels must they have? And then I started working there, and I found out they had 3,000 whiskey barrels on their clean side and 2,500 sour barrels when I was there. That's nuts. And 10 fooders from 100 barrels to 250-barrel fooders. The two that's 250s were the largest in North America at the time when I was there. So a lot of barrel work and a lot of stuff like that. And it was uh, – it was, it was very much fermentation driven. So I never even really started doing hot side stuff until I went to Ad Astra. I was a seller specialist, fermentation specialist, closing pitcher, I called it. Because we could take a beer and we have a stout that's good. And then we're like, okay, how are we going to make it great? And then we, you know, add our stuff, do it, and then put it off. And then, so I, I, I was doing that very successfully at Ren House and at the shop. And then when I went to Ad Astra, I, I didn't have any real control over the hot side or recipe formulation, but I still saw how it was doing. So uh, when I went to Ad Astra, we just turned it to level 12. We went absolutely as hard as we could because the thing that I noticed the most from connoisseurs of stouts is they always knock mouthfeel on stouts. And if it's not thick enough and it can't hold up, it's like you're drinking like vanilla water. It has to be thick. It has to have that body to support all those yeah, flavors. So, right. You don't want it too sweet because then it'll come off as kind of cloying or flabby and it kind of misses the mark. So it's a huge balance. And the way that we make those beers is 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 super unique. And I always laugh at, at people when, when they say, oh, well, lagers are the hardest style of beer to make. That's an urban legend that brewers say. So then they can make lagers. Like, oh, this is really hard. It's super easy to make lagers. It's hard to ferment lagers. But brewing lagers is about as easy as it comes. When you do a 19-hour, 36-play-doh, boil on a, a stout that's hard that takes time it take and if you mess it up a lot of ingredients go into it so mm, it's it's a yeah. huge it's a high risk high reward it's swinging for the fences kind of so uh we've kind of gotten a lot of opportunities to meet a lot of people from at the brewery from at Ren house from a shop where we connected with the surly guys we connected with the bottle logic guys yeah. and, and learned kind of like what everyone's doing and seeing what works for them and find out what works for us because uh there's no real one way to make a stout, and it's 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 a huge range of stouts. You can have like a like a Guinness all the way to like how we do our stouts, which I think is like the polar opposite of Guinness. Ours are much darker, they're much sweeter, they're much thicker, and there's a lot more flavor. But Guinness is like the iconic, you know. That's what yeah. that's what you can drink six glasses of. Our stout, you want to drink like six ounces of it and yeah. then go on to a lager or an IPA or something. I'm curious, um, you know, removing Ad Astra or uh, catalyst from from the equation. Uh, who, in your opinion, in Arizona is like crushing the barrel aged? Uh, there's there's a game. few guys. So there's a lot more guys than there was. But I would say in no order, probably Oso's got to be up there. Their yeah. barrel program is high and tight, and it's one of the top in the area. Do Do you know Brody? Do I you don't. Wa- okay. Um, I know that they're happy doing... to make the intro. Okay, if yeah. you like, you guys could do some really epic stuff together. I'm an open book. And yeah, I would love it. At minimum, maybe we just have a beer and chat it up. Oh, yeah. You know? So uh, I'm always open with that. I think I have a lot of respect for them and what they're doing with their barrel program. Ren House, obviously. I kind of was there and 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 did a lot of barrel aged beer there and got a good foundation. And I think they took it and ran with it. And they're doing a lot of really good stuff in the barrel aged scene and outside of the barrel aged scene. Uh, uh, Wilderness is probably right up there, too. But they're doing a style that nobody's doing anymore they're doing traditional barrel aged sours so i have a lot of respect for them to still stay with it and stay the course on that because i know a lot of people that aren't doing that style anymore because the amount of time that it takes the amount of energy that it takes the amount of sanitation and cleaning that it takes they carved out their little niche and they're like sticking to it and i love that yeah and i think it's i think it works for them and it's almost like and I mean, you got to throw Dark Sky in there too, right? I mean, they're kind of off the beaten path a little bit, but they're doing some really good barrel-aged yeah. beers. So uh, I'm glad that there's more barrel-aged people, but I'll say this. I don't feel like there's like a bottle logic. I don't feel like there's like a brewery out here where there's like thousands of barrels. So there, we still have a long way to go in order to, to be to that level. And I don't know if Arizona will ever have a brewery like that, you know, but that's if if i had control over the world i would want to make a brewery like that because i think it's fun i think it's more like it's more romantic it's more like it's different it takes so much more skill to to brew a beer and then you basically have your pieces and then you build something out of them with the barrels that is pretty much not replicatable it's Mm -hmm. like a one-time thing it's like a time stamp so uh i think that's kind of what what we want to move towards 
and it's hard to come out the gate and just you know, okay we're gonna fill 100 barrels in the first five weeks so i think it's just gonna <laughs> take some time yeah but uh we're looking at doing a lot of barrel aging strong beers here i feel like I that's that. one of our strong suits and it's something that's not done enough in arizona like i feel like more breweries should be doing big barrel aged beers but like i said you know it's not everyone's business model it's not how everyone wants to do it you know some people they don't drink barrel aged beers so why would they even want to make them you know so it's uh for us we really enjoy it so it's something it's like a we make the lager so we can pay for the barrel aged styles kind of thing it's but, it, uh, you can never go wrong if you show up to your buddy's house and be like hey i brought this bottle that oh, we're gonna share tonight listen, like you're the instant hit of the I, party right there i have a full size fridge in my garage that is exclusively for beer okay and there's a there's a shelf that is all Oso ales from the crypt okay. uh and it's a lot and it just sits there and i have a few more from other breweries but they just sit there because i don't open them until i have someone to share them yeah with. you gotta because you're not gonna drink a 16 and a half percent you know barrel aged barley wine by yourself i i can't it's too much right like you said six yeah. ounces so uh yeah if if, if you guys experience. are like it's, it's it's totally an experience so it's exciting that you guys are are hoping to kind of maybe carve out your 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 part of that yeah that. definitely well do you guys want to try barrel aged stout huh. absolutely okay, it'd be a good time for a break to get our uh add, a bear our ad in know, right here do its thing in the woods well it's a perfect time for will to go pour us some more samples so we can tell you about the high fashion takeover from garrison brothers distillery high h-y-e is named for the small town outside of austin texas where the Stars at night are big and bright. You know what I'm talking about. And it's where Garrison Brothers distills all of its fantastic bourbon right there in high Texas. Visit highfashion.com to get a list of local bars and restaurants here in Phoenix, such as Pitch, uh, Pitch Cabasson. They're on there. They're, what they're doing is they're using old-fashioned recipes, but they're using Garrison Brothers bourbon to create this high-fashioned type of drink. Get it? High-fashioned, old-fashioned, high Texas you get it, highfashion.com. You can become a part of the High Fashion Takeover all throughout the month of September. That's two more weekends here. Go to highfashion.com. Take part in the great High Fashion Takeover from Garrison. Now back to more with Will Walterson at Catalyst Crafted Ales in Tempe. All right, so we're back here. Johan's going to stand. Yeah, so don't is... fall over on the barrel aged stout. Oh, man. Will is going to pour into some sample glasses. This what are we pouring? Envy. Envy. So Envy is an imperial oatmeal milk stout aged in Willett family estate rye whiskey barrel, single barrel, for 16 months. And then it was reconditioned on Madagascar vanilla and toasted coconut. So those are kind of like, as a as a stout geek, if it's got coconut and vanilla in it, and those are like, that's like top flavors in my opinion. Yeah, sure. I agree with that. We what are some of the other flavors that... That you might try to go for. I'm very particular in the way that I make stouts. I don't like fruity stouts. Like if it's a fruit stout, it has to have like a real purpose. It has to have a real destination for me to even want to do it. I like flavors like chocolate, coffee, vanilla, coconut, clean yeah. dessert flavors, no fruity esters or anything like that, or plum. Or I'm not, I'm not really into that on stouts. Now barley wines, you're gonna have more of that kind of maybe like fruity or like. Um, Tannic flavor, I guess, would be the way to put it. But um, it smells, it smells beautiful. I, like you said, that coconut vanilla combination in a stout is like me. It's nostalgic. I just, <coughs> I took too big camping. of a of a pour there. So, <clears throat> but yeah. it it's fantastic. Your your barrel aged stuff always hits the mark. It's smooth, you know. It's not. It's very lightly carbonated, which is what I'm hoping for out of a stout like this. It just and not overly sweet. Yeah. You know, it's not um that that, right. that one that's you're like, oh, I don't know. I, I I definitely need to to um share that one. Um but like this one I could see maybe not sharing so much. It's this one's <laughs> dangerous because I, I could see myself drinking the entire bottle and then what's the ABV on this bad boy? Uh thirteen. Yeah. So we um <laughs> And you got bottles of that ready to go for whenever you open, that right? On our, on our first opening. That's so fantastic. We're, we're hoping to have one of the better barrel aged beers out the gate. And we feel like this is like something that if a beer geek comes and they get the bottle and they take it home and they try or they get a couple of bottles and they save some, 
this will be something that you could send to another state or take it on take it on your Christmas trip back east and open it with family. It's like this is a special bottle. It's a very, very intimate beer. It took a very long time to make. It took a lot of energy to make because we made it in Prescott. So it was not we didn't have all the resources that we have now. So it took a lot of work to make it happen mm -hmm. are you planning on making this every year is this going to be one of your kind of mainstay seasonals we um my theory on stouts is is different than most people i have this idea in my head that we don't necessarily only make one stout recipe because that sure. limits your complexity so we will have multiple mashes and we will label them as that mash and then when it comes time to blend we have all these like threads that we can weave into something that's better than all of them yeah and so if you do the same mash bill you can get one dimensional sometimes you want to do some rye in there for some complexity or let's do double wheat on this one or this one's all oats so and it all goes back into trying to build the complexity of the beer through the proteins and through making it having a bigger body by doing multiple <clears throat> things to uh to help that and it's something that we go out of our way and work very, very hard on is to have the, the viscosity of almost like almond milk or, or something yeah, like that. Sure. Totally. That's sure. definitely what I'm getting. So, cause I, I asked that because, um, you know, I think of like the, the, what is it? The goose Island bourbon County and yeah. they release year after year. And you kind of take one, you, you take a few and you stick them in your pantry or in your mm -hmm. fridge and you let them sit there for a few years. And then, you know, down the road, you got to, 2013 bourbon county that you, you want to crack open with you like five years in a yeah row and you crack one open with a, a you know on a special occasion and so i'm, I'm like i'm wondering if there's going to be like a arizona brewery that starts to do that kind of thing where you just kind of like you want to it'll save them it'll probably be us or i love I mean, that Ren house is doing it right now and yeah there's people that do it but we're not going to be club based this is just going to be first come first served for us uh you know and I think that it's cool that everyone has their own different styles and ways to get the beer to the consumers. But from doing it myself and working at a brewery that had that working at Ren House and working at the brewery that has the biggest club of any brewery, the brewery, uh, I just realized that it becomes a full time job just trying to manage the club yeah. and keep them happy. And then you have to worry about keeping the regular customers happy. And then you don't want to create this divide, I guess, yeah. kind of, at least for me, how it works for, for my vision of, of beer. So I, I just think that it's like, for us, we like to have, we want to have a line culture where like if people come out here and they know we're going to have a beer, you can come chill on the patio, maybe a coffee truck or something, or, you know, you have breakfast out there and then you're first in line, you get the bottle and you're like, okay, let's get it on draft. You know, like that's what I really liked about beer and waiting in those lines and going to get these yeah. cool bottles. And then, oh, I'm going to send this back to my buddy because he's going to send me this other half or he's going to send me this Wakefield or he's going to send me, you know, some big beer in return. And now I have like this currency on this trading market, you know, where it's sometimes not every beer is easy to trade. You know what I mean? But then right. there's some beers that are really easy to trade <laughs> that everybody wants. So we want to be sought love after. That. Sure. And I love we that. want people to come and say, oh, we're in Tempe. Oh, dude, you got to go to Catalyst. We're only there for like an afternoon. Oh, yeah. Well, you definitely got to go. Yeah. And then you go hit Four Peaks. And then we tell them to go all of our places that we like. So we want to be a destination brewery in a, in, in a big destination city with a lot of people. So that's, that's kind of why we make the beers that we make. We want yeah. to stand out. We're not trying to just make hazy IPAs and Pilsners and, and, and stuff that kind of everyone does. We want to do that, but we also want to do what, what we really hold dear to our heart. It's making some of these big creative beers. I love that. Well, you that. mentioned a lot of resources here in Tempe and we we're looking at them here off to the side. A uh, whole table of, of people that help you kind of because you don't do this alone, right? No, there's, no. There's all kinds of people. Why don't you walk us through uh, what, what some of the important people here are behind the scenes? Well, they're all very important. <laughs> so uh, I'll start from the left and work right. Alex is my right-hand man that uh, he helps keep me drawing inside the lines of reason most of the time. And then uh, Dano's back there with the glasses. He's our social media and marketing uh, ace. Craig right there, he's our tasting room uh, manager and operations, help help take some of the stress off me, help me focus on the beer. And uh, Trino's right there. Trino's like his 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 Alex, you know, his right hand man doing everything, helping keeping him straight and narrow. We got Enrique, he's probably one of the best chefs I've ever met in my life. We're gonna chat with him soon. Oh yeah, he's gonna be in here soon for sure. And he, I mean, I could, we could make a whole show just about his, his food. That's how good it yeah, is. Yeah, Enrique, come on over. Uh, while Enrique comes over, so 
he is the chef at Salt Tacos, yep. which is another big, uh, cool thing right over here, Enrique, right on this microphone. And um, you, you, you're gonna have food here, uh, courtesy of Enrique and Salt Tacos, right? Yeah. Hey, Enrique. Hey, how you doing? Good, good. Let me yeah. turn up your mic here so we can hear you. Sounds good. Uh, Tell us your, your name and what you do here behind the scenes at Catalyst Crafted. Okay, so my name is Enrique. Uh, we've been uh, working in this project for the last two years. Um, I actually have a food truck. I started with a food truck around COVID time, and uh, I made a brand for myself, you know, Salt Sea and Land Tacos. It's an acronym for salt. And I just do, you know, what I love to do, cook. You know, I try to be different out there. You know, uh, I do octopus tacos, which you very rarely see around here unless you go to like high-end restaurant you'll see octopus but you know uh, and i just wanted to be different from, from everybody else yeah we uh we actually did a feature on in the magazine about that uh that kind of food truck to brick and mortar mm -hmm. that sort of in in a lot of people started that in covid you know they got they got into the food truck business and they kind of built that up and that sounds like it's like your story we our story was on uh Chilte, uh, over there at, um, inside the Egyptian, the Egyptian yeah. hotel. Yeah. So they had a food truck and now they're brick and mortar and they're, they're successful over at their hotel. The same thing. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a, so common. we actually started looking at, uh, brick and mortars before COVID. You know, we, we met with, when I say with my wife and I, we met with a few, a uh, few realtors to look at places and everything. And then all of a sudden COVID happened and we're like, Oh, maybe we should wait and see what's going to happen. And we all know what happened. But I, I still had that passion. I'm like, you know, I want to still go out there. I was in Fort Britain for about 17 years, and I just wanted it something different, you know. And, and my passion is to cook since I was a little kid because I like yeah. to eat. <laughs> what do you think about that, uh, Will, having food as part of the tap room or your brewery experience? I think it's really good, and I think it's something that I've never really had before. And I think it's going to be nice because we wanted to make sure that it, it would it would be a smart move, you know, because there's a lot of moving pieces involved. And so we were lucky enough to have Enrique, you know, take this opportunity with us. And it, it would have been to one in a million to fit in at this brewery. And we got the guy that fits in here because his style to making food is very similar to my beer. It's uh, unapologetic and he does high end stuff like he's talking about. And he does stuff that's different and that makes you think about it. And you come back to try it again and again and again. So it's a. Uh, to me, I couldn't think of a better person to have in here. And he's been really cool meeting him, his family, and, and kind of growing through this thing together. It's like there's a lot of personalities at this business. You know, we have people that are have multiple businesses that are involved. Like we left Grant off, but Grant has multiple businesses, and he does a lot of our stuff on social media and marketing. And he's like our right-hand man in terms of we need something done. Grant's going to make sure that shit happens. So we just – to work through all of that and work to the big goal it's like uh you got like a team of all stars so it's you got to keep everyone happy you got to keep moving forward and keep doing good stuff but i think the the thing that i would always worried about was you did you never want one to be better than the other when you have both and i'll tell you right now enrique's food is right there with my beer and i would say a lot of people would say it's better and that's how good his food is yeah. because all right enrique how's his beer what do you think his beer is amazing <laughs> One of, one of my favorite <laughs> developments in the craft beer industry over the last 10, you know, 15 years has been the 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 merging of the culinary with the beer. You know, you know, back in the old Four Peaks days, <clears throat> it was like bar food, right? Pub food. Pizza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, fish and chips, you know, fried chicken, whatever. And then, you know, over the last few years, like that, that, that merging of, of really high end chef with the really high end beer has, has happened. And, and I've loved that combination. And so it's cool to see that. I'm, I'm curious, Enrique, what's your, what's your background from, you know, from a food perspective, where'd you get started and, and, and like how, how'd you get where you are now? So we're, I was born in Mexico and when I was 10 years old, we moved to Texas. Where in Mexico? Uh, Chihuahua. Chihuahua? Yes. De Efe. De Efe, really? Nice. Yep. Chilango. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is Mexico City for, for yes. those who don't know, yeah. And uh, so we moved to Texas, El Paso, Texas, which is the border with, with Juarez. So we have mm -hmm. a big, uh, you know, a lot of good food over there because of the border. Totally. When we, when we moved to Arizona in 97, it was very rare to find 
good food. You have to go somewhere deep in Phoenix to find some, you know, yeah. good food. Now so you see it more. Refried beans and a lot yes. of cheese. And, yeah. <laughs> now you see lettuce. it more often. Uh, and, and like you said, you know, the, the food community is growing a lot and a lot of high end, yeah. you know, chefs are making, you know, uh, things a little bit different now. But it's good to see all that, uh, you know, that food community growing a lot and, and yeah. different too. So when we moved to Arizona in 97, um, I, I always wanted a restaurant, you know, but I was kid, I was a kid. I got married pretty young. I was 19. I'm still married to the same girl. So, Good for you. yes. So uh, my passion for food came because, like I said, I, I like to eat. And my mom and my grandma told me one day, you know what? You're not going to marry your mom or your grandma. So you're going to have to learn how to cook. And that's why I learned from both of them. And that's where my passion comes you know, from cooking. And we like to try different things and different ideas, not just stick to one thing. You know, I like to yeah. try we make everything from scratch. Our salsas, our adobo, yeah. everything's made from scratch. I I will certainly be in <laughs> for the beer, but definitely for the food. Yes. Yeah. Who did the uh, Who did the mural over there? There the the artwork. That yeah, that's amazing. Uh, yes, that was just done uh, just a few days ago actually, and her name is Diami Perez. She's from Cuba, and she I mean she's amazing. You can see the art in there, and she's great there. octopus with like a big blue. Is that like a beer can yeah, in the background? Can. Yeah. So that, it kind that's of that's awesome. Yeah. The octopus that I do for my tacos and then the beer that obviously Will's going to make. Very so cool. give us a little preview. Obviously, you'll have a full menu. You don't have to read off the whole menu, but give us a little preview of maybe like the top two or three dishes that you're excited to serve here at, so at Catalyst. My top dishes is the octopus taco, obviously, and then the fish taco and the shrimp taco. I do have the carne asada, you know, and, and chicken adobado, and all, but I think my main, the, the, the reason why some people know me already and people know my brand is because of the octopus taco. My yeah. wife will be very excited <laughs> to try yeah. all those. Yeah. Most people, uh, when they think octopus, they think it's going to be chewy and, you know, and rubbery like uh, calamar, but it's not. Well, once they have my taco, they're like, wow. Yeah. I was going to ask, how do you prepare the... It, it's a process. It takes about, you know, two, three hours to, to get it to the right, you know, uh, tenderness that you want. And then obviously once it's done, we, we put it in the grill so we can get that, you know, that flavor from the grill and then i use a, a smoked salsa that i make with a I call it chile con morita and then we put it on top i'm excited <laughs> i will definitely it, be here it, for that i mean I, I i think you guys posted that a couple months ago that announcement i i immediately ran to my wife and showed her i'm like this is gonna be so cool when <laughs> yeah. it opens so you gotta go <laughs> uh for, for personal so i put on all of phoenix magazine's events mm-hmm. so I just want you guys to, we're just going to establish here that March 17th is our dish fest, which is our food festival. Okay. And we have several breweries that participate. The plug man over here. love to have the events. those octopus tacos sure. at that food festival. I think it would, they would kill. People would be like, what is this? It would be fantastic. And then obviously for Catalyst, you know, all of our events, we have our beer festival coming up. I don't know if you guys will be quite up and running and ready for that, which is totally fair. Uh, if you guys all want to attend, I'm happy to help out with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we, we have a lot of places for you guys to fit in that people will love, love, love to try all your stuff. And one thing that I use also that is different for my tacos is the blue corn tortilla. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Yes. <laughs> mm. I need to, um, I'll be back. Just let me know when you open. I'll, oh, yeah, I'll yeah, be yeah. first in line. That's good. And so yeah, go ahead. I think that just going back to what y'all was saying earlier, where it's like this change of, of culinary with beer, it's because beer has changed. Yeah. Know? It's gone from fizzy yellow beer to now it's, there's all these different kinds of beers and educating the consumer and then just people educating themselves on beer. Like, you know, the Cicerone program coming along and pairing food with beer was not something really done in the old days kind of you pair it with pizza right so um it just goes to show how far the industry as a whole has come totally and, and and we approach it i mean at least on my brewing a lot like a chef we try and get the best ingredients and try and showcase what they do and not interfere with it with our own shit it's just get the best stuff and uh make that into the beer and that's like how his food is so it just it's i think it's a match made in heaven and uh we're really uh you guys have this great circle of friends here because i know craig he's the owner over the poor tap room right in, yep. in east mesa mm-hmm. i've been to his place a couple times you could always get um at astra beer there yeah. um so that's how you guys know each other right and then yeah. he had enrique was food truck outside of his tap room yes, for a while and that's how you yeah. guys all know uh, and that's how you get set up here it's a, it's a it's a great little triangle of it's just like- 
it's a good it's testament. It's going to be an awesome place here. It's a good testament to the community building that's involved in beer. Sure. And and you know, to your you said this right out of the gate that you're excited to do collaborations with some of the other guys locally and and that's it's, for me I you know I put on these events and yeah blah, blah, blah. but at the end of the day like I'm a beer drinker and I love trying all these different beers and I love 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 that that collaborative uh element of beer that it's like you know rising tide lifts all ships like we're all here together to learn from each other and so all that so it's and it's just really cool to see that you guys are are, are you know you're already part of the community people know at astra people know granite mountain so it's like to have you guys just kind of fit into that 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 space is is exciting and and to have you locally is even more exciting. yeah <laughs> and we're hoping uh hoping that we take home some more hardware this year for some of our barrel aged beers i know i entered envy in and uh, we we can't say anything yeah, about no, it no, I'm but not you know i think i i have a lot of faith in in what we're doing and if we don't win then we just got to look at the judges' scores and, and kind of go back and, and re- reconfigure some things. Sure. But we're always uh, always trying to be better, always striving to do better and, and to, to make our processes cleaner and better. You so, want to win awards for or try to win awards for different styles other than your, your wood barrel aid stuff? I think I might have to because it's like I have to go into a different style because it feels like, uh, feels like I'm the only one that's constantly putting barrel aged beers in a lot so i don't want to just dominate the style i think i'll have to do hazy ipa next year or something like because there was the most beers i think was hazy ipa entered in the competition always and then pilsner was like second or something or some kind of lager was second so i think it's doing that because you know we want to we want to challenge ourselves you know it's like if you're good at making stouts and you only make stouts and you kind of just one trick pony but we have so much more to uh to what we do than that so i think that the big thing for me i feel like there's from the beer geek world in my opinion the most significance you can get for your brewery is when you make really good barrel aged beer because there's people of all levels of beer knowledge that can appreciate it and then it's also it's like it's the cab of beer yeah barrel aged stout if you make a good cab People are going to know you. It doesn't matter how good your Chardonnay or whatever is. If your cab is top notch, people are going to come in for it. What um? So you guys submitted it to the ACBA this year and last year as at Astra. Last year we entered uh, Vanilla Vapor, which is essentially the same beer. So it's the same batch of beer, but it's younger and it's only vanilla. This, that one won the gold. And yeah. you also had Flight Wave, uh, Flight Wave uh, like a uh, maple, maple bourbon. bourbon. Yeah. I have Peach Brandy, too. I entered Peach Brandy this year. It's really, really good. Do you yeah. enter into any other competitions? We've entered into not Catalyst or not at Astra because it was too small of a setup. And it was like it's kind of labor intensive to bottle a lot of beers and to ship them and to do all that stuff. So we had looked at doing World Beer Cup and GABF, but it wasn't right for what we were doing. For here, we're going to enter as many competitions as we can. Great. Yeah. And we're That's hoping awesome. that we can maybe win a couple. Too. Yeah. <laughs> <That'll be fun. laughs> I, I mean, the- just judging by uh, the the sort of parallels between people that won the ACBA awards last year and people that also won GABF awards last year, you know, I think there, I think there's some parallel. I think there will be so. If you guys are already killing it on the ACBA, I think I think you guys will you'll do well. I'm I'm curious, like, to, you know, for you the the Arizona Craft Beer Awards, like, how do you see that kind of going off into the future? Like, how how do you see that developing into like what does it mean to you to win that? To me, it means that like it's a it's like a gunfight, you know. If you go and you win. And you get to take it home. It's like the prize. It's the ultimate, like, uh, the feather in your cap where, like, uh, you also get a good feedback if you don't win. And so you, it's just a learning experience. And it's something that – and for me, I volunteered to judge this year, so it made it more um, – I have more invested in it. And yeah. I've never really judged before. But I, 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 when I worked at the brewery, we did Century with a Master Cicerone, and there was four Master Cicerones at the time. So we really pushed a lot of Century and stuff like that. So I don't necessarily know how to judge beer, but I know how to taste beer very well. So right. that, uh, that was a learning experience for me. And um, we had some heavy hitters at our table. We had Austin from uh, Saddle Mountain. We had um, Matt from Huss, top guy. 
And then we had the other Matt Johnson, the other Matty J. Yeah. (laughs) And then we had uh, Megan who works at a hundred mile and she was our table lead. She's judged for GABF like 10 years. So we had some really, really heavy hitters at our, do you have any really just awful beers that shouldn't have been submitted? I mean, I think that happens a lot, but hand up. I I had a couple and and our, all everyone at our table all recognized like, Ooh, that uh, that one misses big time. You know, I will say though <laughs> that like I have respect for brewers that submit their beers because the, the brewers know probably know that it's not quite up to par, but they're looking for the feedback. They're li- and, yep. and I think that's the that for us that's you know working with the guild on the awards like our biggest goal is to create not just a a avenue to hand out awards but also a place where brewers can get feedback on their beer whether they win or not and yeah. actionable feedback you know that, that on the they beer can, maybe they submit in the wrong category exactly and to, so like to that, win, go on and win bigger awards than just I, our local one i think the main thing that i noticed it wasn't so much technical flaws in the beer making it was more i feel like people didn't package their beer correctly or they're not they're using rudimentary packaging because there was flavors that come from bad brewing practices and there's flavors that come from bad packaging that happens yeah so i think it's just one of those things where if you're a really small brewery and you're trying to get your name out there and you have to do what it takes to get a beer in a can or in a bottle sometimes it doesn't always turn out perfect and so i tried to give everyone honest feedback and i probably went more in depth than some people on feedback because i could tell them where something was like oh this is a really good beer but it's missing this mid hop bitterness from yeah. like you need a little bit more boil hops or oh this hops tastes good but it's kind of more fruity for this this is too fruity for this style you need something more earthy so uh stuff like that where i think that being in production it helps you know yeah so you got to know how to taste it but you got to also know how to fix yeah. it in order to help somebody and that's what i like about you know they use you know, BJCP judges, they use people who've judged GABF before and all this stuff. They use people who have judged beers mm-hmm. before, but they also bring in brewers and they also bring in home brewers and they bring in people that know the process inside and out. And that really allows for the the, the feedback to be because one of the things we, we heard from the get go was a lot of these times, like people that judge, you know, 30 competitions a year just kind of jot these like really illegible kind yeah. of unintelligible feedback note, that you're like i don't know what this is <laughs> where it's like if we bring in this like we kind of democratize it and bring in like this this different variety of people you're going to get all kinds of feedback that's really really going to be helpful enrique what's your what's your beer drinking uh background and like how you know where do you, what are you coming into this from 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 your perspective um, i like beer i like more more uh, darker beer you know like uh, Negra Modelo, those those type of beers. Yeah. Doctor, he makes one that's pretty, really good. Didn't you make that one at Pesca when we had that event? Yep. Yeah, I forgot the name of it, but we did Tranquilo. an event. Yes. Tranquilo. <laughs> we did an event over oh, there, yeah. and um, he made that beer. It was just yeah. really good. Yeah. yeah I'm but I'm more of a darker it. type beer, you know. Uh, the light beer, it's okay once in a while, but I like something that has flavor and taste to it. I love that. Yes. I love that. Uh, are you are you planning on using the beer in any of your recipes, or yes, are you already we're doing that? Talking about pairing beers with some of my dishes, especially the octopus, which is the, you know, one of one of my famous, most famous uh, dishes. So the octopus, and then maybe the the rat peppers too. Yep, um, nice. That's more of a, an appetizer, but I think those will go good with a good Mexican lager or something like that. Love that. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, I'm so excited for everything <laughs> yeah, that's man, going on in here. Man. Uh, I know we're we're filming obviously towards the table in the brewery. If you uh we'll we'll try to get some shots of the rest of the place but um how would you describe it in here like uh modern industrial or up, upgraded upgraded brewery experience i mean it's it's really nice in here these chairs i i haven't felt it does give me socal vibes yeah. like yeah. I, yeah something i said when we went to 100 mile where i was like i feel like this place gives me denver vibes mm-hmm. This place definitely gives me like upscale SoCal vibes. Is that kind of, was that the goal? Yeah. And I mean, I think that's where we come from. It's, you never want to forget where you came from, no matter what you're doing. And, and one of the big things was like, you know, I mentioned the brewery a couple of times, like that is who we want to be. You know, that's, that's the kind of beer. I don't think we're necessarily going to be like them. We're going to make IPAs and do all kinds of stuff, but 
we like that kind of feel. Like when you go in, there's always something different. Or when they have something and they say, oh, this tastes like white chocolate and it tastes like white chocolate. You know, that's what we really like and what we took from it. And we like this space because it's 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 comfortable, it's inviting, and it feels nice. It feels like kind of at like your rich friend's house drinking a beer. You know, it's <laughs> it's like a fun it's a fun environment and it's yeah. it's it's meant to keep people here. It's not meant to 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 put our nose so high that if it rains we'll drown, but we wanted it to look nice in here. We didn't want to necessarily have like the industrial, you know, concrete cracked floors and uh and maybe more like old school breweries where it was like uh you know that was just the norm we're trying to we're trying to raise everything up raise our uh raise the bar you know set the bar if we can but and uh, to that I, I feel like the name also kind of denotes like this this sophistication sophistication yeah, yeah you're not catalyst brewing company or yeah. catalyst brewery you're yeah, no... like it kind of gives it this yeah. air of like okay like this is a, maybe a little higher end than you know, such and such yeah. brewery. So yeah. that's cool. I, you guys have thought of it, thought it out really. Yeah. And I, I think it all comes back to just, you know, wanting to make the best beer. So if you want to make really high end beer and not give people sticker shock, when you buy like a big barrel aged stout, which is a very expensive style to make and buy, uh, you want to have it look nice. You know, you don't want to yeah. buy a $30 bottle out of a barn door. Right. <laughs> so since it's catalyst crafted ales, does that, does that preclude you from being able to make lagers? No, we're just we're just <laughs> ale centric. Uh, but I think it, um, I think it's a good point. But I I don't think that um, I don't think that lagers are something that like I think everyone knows yeah. that everyone needs a lager in Arizona, right? Yeah. It's just too hot not to have for a sure. Lager. Well, and most people don't know the difference if if yeah. they're unless they're beer nerds like you, you and I, beans. they don't know the difference between the ale and the lager and what that but is. So, we yeah. also have our little thing. Crafted chemistry. Yeah, I do on the like the back that. of the shirt. I like that. Yeah, so it's you guys be like, selling merch out of here? Yeah, we got some merch. We'll get you guys some Very shirts cool. and stuff. But uh and we got the one the ASU colors is really cool. That I'm is not cool. like an ASU fan, but I live here, so by default I have to <laughs> root for the home team. But uh I'm an ASU fan. It's not it's not is really it's not Prescott? really something okay. to write home okay. about right now, so don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, if you're an Arizona sports fan, you're just you've you've just you come to you've just come to enjoy disappointment. Yeah, so. that's why we need more breweries <laughs> to just drink a lot more. Yeah, it worked for us, and it's nice that we're kind of we're close enough to Mill Avenue to be comfortable, but not far enough away, right? Yeah. So yeah, like do you it, think you'll get a lot of the college crowd in here? Or are you no. just that far enough <laughs> I away? I don't think so. I don't know, but I think that you know. If we have seltzers, wouldn't that be like a college thing? Totally. So it mean, should be. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't exclude them. I wouldn't say we don't want no college kids. But I think like well, we got a lot of TVs in here too. You know, games and stuff. And uh, if people want to tailgate and watch Sun Devils or the Huskies or the Wildcats or whatever team you like, uh, we we were with it. You know, we're not a not like a Packers bar or anything. So everyone's welcome. Very Love cool. That. Very cool. Well, Will, Enrique, this has been awesome. Thank you guys so Later. much. Yep. Uh, good luck on uh, opening soon. And, uh, for sure. yep. yeah, and we'll good luck on award season. I hope you guys do well. Make sure to follow Catalyst Crafted Ales on Instagram and Facebook. They have a really cool social media team behind the scenes that's going to post regularly. And they will announce when the place is ready for opening. It's very sleek, well-designed on the inside. Can't wait for you guys to see it. Uh, has a fairly sizable shaded patio up front, which is really nice considering that we've reached evening patio season, in my opinion. It's a great time to sit on the patio at, at night and here in the valley, and very soon it's going to be mostly all-day patio season. You can sit outside at noon. So thanks to Will and the team for having us out there yesterday. And thanks to Will for being one of the 65 judges that we had uh, last Saturday for the Arizona Craft Beer Awards judging day. Yours truly was on the table and helped decide several medals, including the Best in Show Award. That list is going to be under lock and key until the night of Friday, October 6th, when the Arizona Craft Brewers Guild, our partners for the festival, they they will host the awards ceremony, a private ceremony with a lot of uh, industry people, a lot of brewers. It's a fun night. We hand out awards, we drink some beers, we, uh, we chat, everything. Um, fun night that we'll have on October 6th, and we're going to have that full list of awards published that night. 
uh, after they're announced right on phoenixmag.com phoenixmag.com for the full list make sure to follow us on our social media our phoenix magazine social media accounts for posts all night and winners announcements all that good stuff it all leads up to the arizona craft beer awards festival on saturday october 21st on the great lawn at state farm stadium this is where we had it last year tickets are on sale right now at azcraftbeer.com all those links um, they can be found on all of our social media pages and on the homepage at phoenixmag.com you can't miss it let me tell you about some of the breweries coming out to the festival as of one month out today september 21st we're one month out here we go deep breath throne brewing state 48 100 mile brewing walter station oro brewing oso greenwood phoenix beer co front porch kitsune uncle bears grand canyon grand avenue brewing desert monks college street simple machine saddle mountain ranch hand old ellsworth Huss, Four Peaks, Bonehouse, and 8-Bit Aleworks are all signed up. Cideries include Shilling Hard Cider and Six Bird Cider. We're going to have Merkin Vineyards that will have wine out there. Puro and Waterbird will have spirits. Food trucks include Pilons, AZ Fry Guy, Melted Envy, which is mac and cheese. Heck yeah. Uh, popped artisan popcorn, butt rubs, jerky, and novel ice cream. Get your tickets today at azcraftbeer.com for the ACBA Festival. It's Saturday, October 21st from 1 to 5 p.m. VIP t- ticket holders will get in at noon. We're going to have a great time on the Great Lawn. There's sa- uh, shaded seating and real restrooms inside the Heritage at Sportsman Park building. It's a great time. Uh, more breweries are signing up to attend every week. So keep an eye on all of our social media pages for those announcements and get your tickets at azcraftbeer.com. Well, I thank you always for listening and God willing, we will see you here next week.